0: In this week's In Ear Insights, we have been talking and everyone has been talking about large language models, uh, the tools that power things like chat GPT forever and ever. And one of the things that we want to be cognizant of okay. is not losing sight of the the fact that the workhorse of machine learning and AI is typically around good old, almost boring analytics data. How do we use these two these newfangled, fashionable tools with data that still runs our businesses. So Katie, when you think about analytics data, what's what are the kinds of data that you might want to be able to ask a language model about? And then we can talk through some of the use cases. Um, I did a talk recently with uh, our friends over at MarTech uh, Martech MarTech.org about using language models with analytics data.
1: Well, I'm glad we're talking about analytics data because I feel like Large language models and generative AI have overtaken the conversations in a way that we have been distracted and almost forgotten that things like our analytics data are what power the business, are what help us make decisions, and that without it, these other pieces, these shiny objects, are just that. Um, So when I think about analytics data... You know, obviously, I think about my website data, things like a Google Analytics or an Adobe Analytics or a Matomo uh, telling me what's happening within my website and that ecosystem. But then I also uh, think about like my CRM data. uh, What are people opening and what are people ignoring and what's causing someone to unsubscribe or decide that they want to stick around? Um, And then the third piece is my sales and revenue data. So those would be the three pieces that I would look at. Um, I guess when I talk about website data, it's there's a bigger bucket. There's the actual digital marketing data that a lot of different things go into, sort of the marketing automation, our email data, there's our website data, there's social data, there's a lot of other pieces. So all of the things that tell me what's happening with our digital footprint is what I care about, um, and then also my revenue.
0: Well, that makes good sense. Um, in fact, in the, the talk we gave last week uh, about uh, this stuff, we we talked specifically about some of those things so much so that um, we actually did some uh, demonstrations with uh, synthetic uh, CRM data. And what, so it, it, there's sort of six broad categories that we talk about all the time with language models generation, mm-hmm. a.k.a. making stuff, extraction, getting data out of things, summarizing stuff, rewriting stuff. Classifying stuff and then answering questions about stuff. And CRM data is one of those uh, pools of data that is incredibly valuable, very rich, and no one uses it. (laughs) (laughs) No one uses it, and they should.
1: They should. Um, You know, I remember Chris uh, probably about this time last year. You and I went through an extensive requirements gathering phase of uh, how to build out more sophisticated reports from our CRM data. This was prior to systems like Claude and ChatGPT hitting the mainstream market. So, you know, maybe in a different episode, we can talk about how our approach to those requirements or approach to the execution might have changed. But that's exactly it. We are not using our CRM data to its fullest extent because of the reporting limitations from the system itself. But I'm wondering now, like, what could we do using some of these large language models?
0: And that's that's exactly uh, kind of what we showed. And I'll I'll just show a very quick demo here, just to give people a, a sense of of what you could do. So uh-huh. in uh, Chat GPT, the paid version under GPT four, there's a tool called Code Interpreter, which is horrendously named. It really should be called uh-huh. like a Junior Data Scientist. I've taken our CRM <laughs> our c- <laughs> I've taken our synthetic CRM data. And I want to emphasize this is completely manufactured data. This is not real data. Um, and what I've asked it is, I mm-hmm. want you to help me build a, a buyer persona based on all the characteristics of this data set. And mm-hmm. tell me what the closed one deals have in common that they don't share with closed lost deals so that I can try and figure out, like, what is who is my buyer? Um, And I think, you know, particularly for companies have a lot of data, this is a very valuable
1: exercise to go through. Mm. We're always chasing like who that ideal customers, who are they? What do they want? What are they thinking? And the challenge was that with the without using a large language model is that we don't necessarily gather enough information about someone in order to create that profile. And so I would imagine with the support and assistance of a large language model and some machine learning, you know, data inference, um, we could actually start to build out, you know, what we typically call personas um, and those profiles and then do different kinds of segmentation and get recommendations on what to do with that information.
0: Exactly. So what, in this case, the the GPT four tool is doing is it is writing its own code to do the kind of these that kind of analytics to say like I need to understand the data set first. I need to the, to build um, the appropriate code and then do things like these. It will suggest the statistical tests to run. Should you run a z-score? should you run a chi-squared uh, test? Should you run a logistic regression and so on and so forth. And <laughs> again, I'm not, not going to spend a whole time, you know, a lot of time going through this here, but <laughs> that's one of the six use cases for analytics data. Uh, with language models is because tools like chat GPT and Claude to to some extent can write their own code and test it and make sure it works. You can have it do very sophisticated analysis of any tabular data. So CRM data, marketing automation data, Google Analytics data, you name it, if as long as it fits within the the allowed file size, um, you can have it do those experiments and then say, okay, well, who is our buyer like what are there patterns in the data that we just can't see but yeah. the software could
1: what's my the where my brain is going with all of this is it's one more system to manage and so I know there's a lot of uh connectors and a lot of companies that are building an interface on top of systems like chat GPT so you know, if, you know, you brought this to me, Chris, and said, I can analyze our CRM data. My first question for you is like, okay, but where does that live? Do I have to keep going back and forth between the CRM and the large language model? Or do we have a more centralized place to do this where I can, you know, hit the magic buttons and say, you know, reanalyze?
0: And this is where the governance portion of these tools, you know, MarTech governance, because that's really what we're talking about is so essential because it, as you saw in in the very, very quick demo, it's writing Python code. It is literally just writing Python code. And even a moderately skilled Python person uh, could copy and paste the steps that it takes once it's done, assuming you're satisfied with the exploration. And you, you mm-hmm. then put that in production somewhere within your enterprise and say, yeah, okay now here's here's the data set now push the button and it'll rerun mm-hmm. that entire analysis the next time through so you don't have to have it you don't have a, a person doing the interrogation you can now have it become a part of your process and a part of your internal platform and so that's where that's where this goes from cool thought experiment to okay this is a usable processing system within our company
1: and i think that that sort of like when i think about Generative AI is still being a lot of a shiny object. Those are the steps that aren't yet being taken by a lot of companies. Everything is still living and existing within the generative AI system. And so these use cases for analytics data, they are. There's sort of that novelty of like, it's cool. I could do this thing. But people like me are asking of like, but how do I streamline it? How do I make it so it's not yet one more piece of equipment in my tech stack?
0: Mm-hmm. And and to some degree it is. I would I would say you think of it like your R&D lab almost, right? It's it is sort of your your R&D exactly. lab where you you test stuff out. And then once you find things that work, then you figure out, OK, what's the process internally to move that those things into production?
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <clears throat> um, all right. So We talked about the CRM data, which I think is super useful, and you and I are going to catch up about that offline because I have a lot of questions (laughs) and ideas. Uh, What's another use case that we are overlooking with our analytics data?
0: Extraction of data from other data sources is the (laughs) second one. So this is Claude's uh, Anthropics Claude. I'm uploading a PDF that contains a lot of tabular data. Now, anyone who's ever worked with PDFs knows getting data out of PDFs is a delight. Uh, And by a delight, Looking at
1: you, academia.
0: And in fact, this is an academic paper. Um, So I've given it, (laughs) I've given it a prompt to say, I want you to try and extract the tables. Now, this prompt sometimes works, sometimes does not depends on um, uh, on the the file and how Claude is ceiling that day, um, but in this case, it is in fact actually extracting out several of the tables in a pipe delimited format. So if you have oh. data that's locked away in a PDF, you can get okay. extracts from it, uh, which is again mm-hmm. very helpful, very straightforward use case. But if you're sitting around with it lots is- and lots of data, or one of my favorite use cases is. Maybe you have that person in your company who loves to make ridiculously complex Excel spreadsheets, and you just want a set of rows. I ran into this with some of the Warrior Nun stuff. One of my uh, friends uh, in that fandom has this very bizarre format for their data. I'm like, I just want a table, and this is broken up in all. This. You can give it to a tool like Claude or Chat GPT and say, please just extract this in, in a rectangular table.
1: I can also think of a lot of. Uh, to talk about offline, a lot of uses for that as well. Um, This, as an aside, one of the things that makes me nuts uh, are people who use Excel spreadsheets like Word docs. And then there's all this other stuff in the sheet, not just metrics. And then I can't sort it. I can't do it. I can't filter it because there's all these words and pictures. I'm like, this is a sheet. And so being able to translate that using one of these large language models is, for me, invaluable, um, Mm -hmm. short of just slapping someone's (laughs) hand and saying, don't touch that.
0: Exactly. The third use case is summarization. And this is something that I was absolutely lost without. And now it is something that is part of every every month. I do this in our reporting and it saves me so much time the PowerPoint has when you, you have like little call out right. boxes and notations and stuff in PowerPoint, there's those are actually data fields. And for the longest time, like, how do I get the text out of a, a PowerPoint document so I can make a good executive summary, <clears throat> not mm-hmm. miss anything and make some action items? And so I started doing a little bit of research. Then I'm like, I'm just going to ask ChatGPT, GPT, hey, how, you know, what format does is this in PowerPoint? And It turns out that because it's a, a big model, it knows what that format looks like. And so it it wrote me, it wrote me some PowerPoint, uh, some Python code to say, find all the text in this presentation and export it as a single text file. So I ran this recently on our on the Trust Insights uh, SEO report. And of course, it spits out all the, the the notes that I made throughout, you know, all little call out boxes throughout the presentation. And then I take that and I put it in a language model and say, summarize this into executive summary. And that's what you see every month when I when I share it internally. By the way, if you are interested in that Python code and you would like a copy of it, it is available if you go to our Analytics for Marketers Slack group. I shared it recently. I said, hey, here it is. For anyone who wants it for free. Uh, but you got to be a member of Analytics for Marketers. You can go get it at trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers.
1: How do you know it's writing Python code? Does it say this is Python code?
0: Uh it does, and I also recognize the syntax.
1: Well, and so that's that, you know, for someone like me, I would look at that and go, I don't know what this is. And Mm -hmm. so there is definitely a learning curve for using uh, these large language models in some of these use cases. So, you know, I would I would know who to ask or I would know how to research. What is it that I'm looking at? But for some people, if a large language model just starts writing code, they're going to look at it and go, I don't know what to do with this. Or is it just throwing, you know, junk and errors at me? You know, so. It's interesting that this is the response that it's giving you. Like, so could I give it my data, my analytics from my CRM and say, help me put together a solution that doesn't require writing code?
0: Maybe. Um, That'd be be tricky because.
1: Because it's not accessible for everybody.
0: It's not accessible for everybody, but these tools are not mathematical tools it's one of the the misconceptions about them is they are language tools hence the name large language model and so they sort of sidestep their lack of mathematical skill by writing code because code is still a language and then it executes (laughs) the 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 code so i would say in this particular use case um there I mean, the the easiest way to do that would be for for us to turn it into a web app, and then, you know, offer it to, to clients and say, like, Hey, if you want to use this, upload your PowerPoint presentation, we'll spit back the thing and it'll be a web based service instead of something people have to run locally if they don't have those technical capabilities in house. Uh, and if you'd like to uh, let us know if this is a service that you would be willing to pay for, pop in our uh, slack group, or let us know by going to trust slash contact.
1: So that's an interesting, you know, sort of, uh, pro tip is that these large language models, the solution might be, it's going to give you back pieces of code to then run. Um, and so I think that's one of the misunderstandings to your point it's one of the misunderstandings about how these large language models are putting together solutions for you. So, right, so we've talked about CRM data. We've talked about uh, extraction summarization. What were some of the other use cases that we are overlooking?
0: Uh, The third one is what I call transformation of data. So transformation of data is when you take existing data that you have and you ask for it to be converted into a a different format, Uh, a format where you can you can ask it to interpret things. Uh, you can ask it to to compare things. So here is an example. I'm going to paste in this l- relatively long prompt I have about Google Analytics data, and I have some Google Analytics session data in here, and I'm asking it to help take a look at it. So it's going to start doing the analysis. Um, it's going to run essentially a uh, up with the, the computations and needed to compare these two periods in Google yeah. Analytics. Um, I do appreciate the fact yeah. that it, it actually puts the, the, the mathematical formulas there and it's going to yeah. spit out essentially um, its findings uh, from our Google Analytics yeah. data and then cool. what recommendations it should make. So this is an yeah. example of a rewrite where we've given it existing yeah. data and we're asking it to rewrite that data yeah. in a different format in the in this case as um, as recommendations
1: interesting and so it's going to go through this whole you know code rewrite and then um, for those listening chat gpt right now has taken what chris has given and is rewriting the code and it's now oh it looks like what it's now also giving us is the actual analysis of the code that it's written and so it's an interesting way to look at because you didn't give chat gpt code to start with you said this is the thing I wanna do, here's the data. So the solution that this large language model came up with was to write its own code in order to understand how to analyze the data in the way that you're asking.
0: Exactly. So, in the observations of this year, the direct traffic channel saw a significant decrease by thirty-four percent. This is a good sign, as this can mean that tagging has improved and there's better data quality. Organic search traffic increased slightly, which suggests that SEO efforts might be paying off. Organic social saw a drastic decrease of forty-six percent. This may suggest that social media campaigns or content wasn't as effective in the current period, or there might be traffic coming from dark social, which isn't being tracked. Um, now, it's also going to start doing. Um, some rec- campaign recommendations. So like if your email segment, the email list and target users based on on preferences, direct traffic, keep doing good tagging, and so on and so forth. Now, these are these are pretty vanilla uh, recommendations. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good example of I've got some data. And maybe I need to write a report for my stakeholders, and I'm just stuck or maybe I didn't have, you know, that second cup of coffee that Don't morning. This is a good starting point, a good first draft really? of, of what You could be doing in your analytics reporting,
1: Mm -hmm. and I think that that's that's the key. Is tools like ChatGPT and Claude are good jumping-off places. They're good to help you get unstuck, but you shouldn't take this verbatim, paste it into report, and give it to your stakeholders. Because to your point, Chris, it is very vanilla. Because your business, your campaigns, your digital marketing is nuanced and. There's information in here. It's just looking at session data. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't know all of the other outside factors as to why your session data may be. So, you know, for example, uh, it said that organic social was down. I can tell you exactly why that is. It doesn't know the reason, but I know the reason why organic social is down. Um, you know, if if this were our data, I would say because we have pulled back resources for posting on social that we still use organic social, but not in the way that we were six months ago, 12 months ago. And so that's information that this system doesn't know.
0: Yeah, this is actually not our data. This is from the warrior nun campaign. But yes, exactly. But yeah,
1: it's as an example, like I could say, I know why referral traffic is down, but this system wouldn't necessarily know.
0: Exactly. And that's context that you can and should provide in your prompts. Um, That's an important part. Um, the next example is classification. So this is taking data and classifying. So I have here a, a, synth- a bunch of synthetic reviews from a Norwegian restaurant. Um, hang on here. I need to get the file loaded. Uh, reviews. There we go.
1: And so where do you load the data in these systems? Is it through, uh, oh, right so at the this bottom is, there. This is Claude. Okay. This is Claude. So, this
0: little attachments button.
1: But there isn't an attachment button in ChatGPT.
0: There is if you use Code Interpreter. So the Come regular on. chat GPT does not have that. The Code Interpreter does. But Code and Interpreter that's the can paid only, version. Yes, well, and then. Code Interpreter can only take um, tabular data, CSV files, text files, etc. So it can't take in like images yeah, yeah. Uh, or movies or things like that. So here we have Claude's assessment of five thousand records. Yeah. Uh, this, these are customer reviews for the Arendelle cafe, a uh, mixed ah. rating of 2.9 strengths, authentic Norwegian cuisine, uh, weaknesses, inconsistent in food service, recommendations, improved training for wait staff. customer reviews, customer feedback, voice of the customer stuff. This is analytics data that we typically have in abundance, but because okay. it's typically unstructured, we don't use it. I mean, you know, Katie, you and I have talked about this with many clients right. saying like, you're collecting the data. You've got that an email sense. inbox. It's overflowing with customer feedback and you're not using it. Why not? And right. the answer is we don't know how. Now there's a way.
1: I'm thinking of a couple of our clients who we should probably proactively do this for because those are the questions of like, how, why are people, you know, not subscribing or signing up or giving us money? Well, we have a lot of that information as to why.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you'll recall a few years ago, we had to build an incredibly complicated network graphing system to help one of our clients identify a potential new products in the marketplace mm-hmm. using some of their data. That project today, that project took three months just to write the code for yeah. and to get it working. I could do the same project today in about 25 minutes with a language mm-hmm. because for that particular data, that data is language itself, it's the customers, words, a language model is the right solution for that. It's much better than what we came up with back then, because this didn't this wasn't available to us back then.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, You're giving me a lot of ideas today.
0: <laughs> oh, good. That means more work. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and the last uh, category is question answering. And again, this is, is it, where once you've got the data set in here, you can start asking questions of it. So you can say, um, what significant anomalies do you see in the data? Are there particular standout extremes that are worth analyzing further? And the, the critical thing to remember about question answering when you're question answering with a language model is you don't need to have technical subject matter expertise, you just have to have your business subject matter expertise. So if you are the cafe owner. And people are complaining that um, the the Gietost, the the Brunost is is not um, fresh and you know that it takes two and a half months to get it shipped from Norway to your restaurant, you're like, okay, that's a complaint, but I can't do anything about that, right? Because that's a so I can't address that problem. So you would have subject matter expertise of your business. you have uh, so here it's going through uh, the synthetic. now the reason it's coming up with these um, these anomalies is because this is completely synthetic data. so I've, it's reused the, the code I used to generate it reused the same names for a lot of things. so that those that's expected. Um, okay. but this shows I think this is important. The oh, duplicate reviews by Hiroshi lack of responses to some bad reviews and contradictory de- details and others point to some amount of review manipulation or fabrication. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now if you are a B2C company, maybe you've got a product on Amazon, you've got 5000 reviews. Maybe you can start analyzing going, are we being review bombed? Are we, is, mm-hmm. it, are we being manipulated by a competitor or something? Um, if you are a consumer, even you could take take the reviews on a product and you're like how many of these reviews are real? Um, like, like, you know, if there's a product, there's a big ticket product you're thinking of buying, like maybe this would be a useful technique yeah. to understand that.
1: It's interesting you bring that up, because as a consumer, I always look at reviews for bigger ticket items, and a lot of them feel planted by the company themselves. Or, you know, I know I've seen, uh, you know, the side hustle make a thousand dollars, you know, reviewing Amazon products for an hour. Like, okay, but how did you get your hands on all those products in order to review them? Like, there's a lot of, you know, buyer beware lessons that, you know, regular people who aren't running businesses could be using these large language models for just for their own research.
0: So let's ask, is there evidence that these reviews might be faked or made by the company? So let's let's look at the text of the reviews, because I think that's, you know, if you're going to spend two grand or three grand on a big ticket item, you might want to know that. Um, Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily need to have a, a fancy scraper or anything like that. If you if you've got enough of a suspicion, you could just copy and paste into a text document page after page. It would take you a little while. But if mm-hmm. it takes you 15 minutes to copy and paste a bunch of reviews, um, but it could save you three grand on a mistake. That might, seems like that's mm-hmm. something we worth doing. And then, of course, you can load that into a system like Claude or ChatGPT and just ask, it, Hey, tell me about the language of these reviews. Uh, here it's saying um, overwhelming praise and many five star reviews without any critique. Most genuine reviews will mix good and bad points, even if overall positive. Right. Mm-hmm details like menu items, chef's dedication, kids loving pancakes, seems like inside knowledge of the restaurant operation rather than average customers. Experience. Um, now, of course, again, this is a synthetic, this data, right? System, so but it's it like,
1: oh, that does make a lot of sense. Like, how would someone who only went there once know this?
0: Mm-hmm. Occasional awkward phrasing also hints at non native marketing writers rather than genuine customers. Like, I think like, that's, there's some really interesting language in here. Um, pattern of a specific menu item pairs described as amazing combinations like left say plus jam plus smoked salmon. Uh, Most customers wouldn't necessarily know or care about these pairings unless suggested. So again, you could decompose a lot of uh, content out there and go, huh, is there something suspicious about that? So these are the six big use cases for large language models with analytics data. And I think it's really important to reiterate your analytics data is the backbone of your operations. It is the it is your decision making tools. These these language models and their interfaces give you, particularly if you are a non-technical, non-data uh, marketer, a window into asking your your data the questions you want answers to.
1: Thank like I like it. And I think, you know, the, you know, thing to reiterate is having an understanding, having an expertise in your business is important when asking these questions, because you need to know if the responses you're getting are valid or not, or are worth, you know, digging deeper into. Um, Because if you just hand it a set of a data set that you know nothing about, yeah, it's going to give you information. But how do you know whether it's valid or not? So, you know, if I'm looking at data on the plumbing industry, well, I'm not a plumber. I don't work within that industry. So I have no idea if, you know, the cost of valves going up or down is a good thing.
0: Exactly. Um, but you can also use yeah. the tools, and we've talked about this in past episodes as professional development tools. If you need to get up to speed on something, on a particular subject, you can absolutely use them for that to have you almost tutor you in a way of, of mm-hmm. exploring, OK, this is how this thing works. This is or this is what this concept is. about. You know, is this valve in plumbing important? Um, what's the supply of it? I saw in the news this morning, there's a, a, a significant shortage of rice in, uh, on the planet right now doing to, uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. And if you're an economist, that that makes sense. And you could see the big picture. If you are not an economist, you might not know what that means, but you can ask a language model, hey, I saw this analytics data about mm-hmm. world supply of rice. What does this mean for me? How what should I be doing about it, thinking about it? How would how should this affect my grocery purchases? Will I see other things at the store increase in price? If you're a business owner, like how will that change your business? That seemingly, you know, agricultural product will affect trust insights in some way because The price of consumer staples means that there's less money consumers have to spend elsewhere, which means they spend less money with their vendors. Those vendors in turn spend less money with their vendors. And that eventually works its way through the supply chain to companies like us. We're like, okay, it could turn out that that rice shortage could have a spillover effect on two quarters from now when companies like, yeah, we got our budgets cut. Mm -hmm. Butterfly effect. It is. And the thing about language models, particularly the big ones like GPT four. Is they can see through our language a very very big picture of the world and draw those connections that we can't, and it's why it's so powerful to use these with yeah. our analytics data.
1: I like it. I like it. I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts and questions and ideas. So, you know, get get your pen out or get your otter transcriber out for our <laughs> next conversation. <laughs>
0: I certainly will, <clears throat> and. The summary of these uh, use cases, we we'll, we actually actually have them written down along with the prompts. If you would like them, again, uh, go to our free Slack, group. go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. We'll put it in there. And uh, you and 3,300 other marketers can ask and answer each other's questions all day long about analytics, also about AI. We're always happy to have folks having conversations. Um, and also things like, you know, whether pineapple belongs on pizza or not. Uh, the answer is yes, by the way.
1: <laughs> it does not. Nope. <laughs> you will never change my mind.
0: Um, and wherever it is that you watch or listen to the show, if there's a channel you would rather have it on instead, you can find it at trustinsights.ai slash ti podcast, where we are on most channels. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.